Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. In our last episode, we talked with the Chief Medical Officer of Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital, Dr. Chad Krillich, and we did that in the wake of one of the worst wildfire disasters in the history of the state of California. It affected the region that we all live in, Santa Rosa, Sonoma County, Napa County, Mendocino County. It was a a really difficult stretch of time that caused tremendous destruction and unfortunately significant loss of life as well. Time has evolved over the course of this past weekend. There have been notifications that all of the major fires are now in the 95 or more percent contained range. And we wanted to continue this conversation because this issue is nowhere close to over. And joining me today is Todd Solness. And Todd is the president of Providence St. Joseph of Sonoma County and of Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital. That's the hospital where I work. I'm the medical director for hospital medicine there. I'm really lucky I get to work very closely with Todd and with the leadership team. And we were all huddled together on a daily basis throughout the course of the active phase of this disaster. And now we feel a little bit like we're moving into a different phase of the disaster and how we work ourselves through this. So, Todd, thank you so much for joining me. Sure. Thank you for having me, Mark. Do you feel that that's the same way? Do you feel like we maybe are starting to slowly move from one phase of this disaster into a different phase? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I would say, you know, and, and just to back up, when we when we were going through kind of the running the hospital with the two other hospitals in the community that had shut down, last hospital standing in Santa Rosa, as, certainly as a tertiary provider, you know, I was, you know, our team, including you, Mark, were running the hospital really well, right, and working on coordination and all the transition. Um, I was in that phase, kind of in the education phase of the community of what this was going to mean for the future, right? To get the word out while people's ears were open with this crisis. And now we're going from, I think the message is out there. I'm starting to hear that message repeated back to me uh, frequently when I go to major meetings in the community um, that I've not attended before, um, that people realize that we have a housing crisis for medical personnel, particularly people who have other options outside our local community and where they could live and, and, prof- and have a profession. And now we're starting to have dialogue about what we're going to do about it. Definitely, we're in that phase now. You were on top of this from the jump. I remember we were having these conversations. It was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The fires are still burning. People are still evacuated. But you had already, it felt like in some ways, made that switch of we need to capitalize on the extraordinary attention that this is getting to start framing the issue, recognizing we've suffered and continue at the time to suffer terrifying loss. We need to get in front of this. At what point in all of this did you say, did that switch go off that, okay, I need to start looking not just at the immediate, but in my role as the leader of this large organization that supports the whole upper third of the state of California, we need to shift and begin to frame this issue so that we are ahead of the curve in terms of what recovery is going to look like. Well, yeah, it was almost immediately when we walked into the command center and saw a lot of our nurses, staff, and doctors in our cafeteria. It was almost converted to a shelter of not having places to stay. And looking around, some of those faces that we saw were people that had just arrived here a month ago. Uh, we had stories even within a few days that um, national physician recruiters 
We're uh, contacting our physicians for jobs in Florida and the Midwest and other things, uh, kind of capitalizing on the situation. And what I've learned is, you know, people say, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. And, and what we've talked about is when we did our press conferences, and you were part of that, Mark, and did an excellent job, you know, a lot of the general public gets gets um, brought into and has attention to the drama of the fire and the people that were lost their homes, et cetera. And what we did was communicated uh, those messages, uh, but then shifted the conversation at the same time to housing and really capitalized on, like you said, the attention that we're getting in the short term. That was the piece that I think was was so vital to recognize that right now there is extraordinary attention. We know with the 24-hour news cycle, that attention is going to be like an on-off switch, and it's going to go off at some point. And so we want to build as much of that energy as we possibly can and almost store it like a battery. That's the way I've thought of it, quite honestly, is that it needs to be stored up because when the crisis, the immediate phase is over, the energy around our community is going to start to drop, but this is going to take a long, long time to recover from. And so you have to have resources ready to continue the extraordinary amounts of support that we're all going to need. I agree. And I like your battery analogy and we have to make sure the battery is fully charged, right? So going into this and getting the message out, you know, and I see that a couple fold, um, you know, I've been uh, privileged just because of my role to be in some of the immediate kind of uh, community elder meetings about, you know, business building back, building back the housing. And a lot, most of the planning uh, right now is how do we expedite the rebuild, right? And even though, even with, you know, red tape removed and bureaucracy reduced and everyone working together to kind of rebuild, they're still saying, you know, two years is still a, a semi-aggressive timeline to rebuild, you know, certain neighborhoods and others. And, and so, so my message has been, that's great. You know, maybe we can shave it down to just under two years. What are we going to do between the next, from the two months, you know, post-crisis to the two-year point? And how are people going to live in livable conditions knowing they have other opportunities out there across the country? Most of our physician specialties, as you know, Mark, are shortages and people have options out there, right? And so um, looking at how can we provide something to people, they're not going to probably live in a FEMA trailer or something else, right, for two years when they have other options out there. And so that's really going to be something we're going to have to focus on that's innovative. And I haven't figured that out yet. I'm calling on developers and others to see if there's any solutions there. So where are we now with respect to getting everyone? You, As you mentioned, you know, the cafeteria at Santa Rosa Memorial, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, this was everybody, right? This was our environmental services staff. This was the nutrition service. This was the docs. This is the nurses. It's the executives. It was everybody had members of their team who were either displaced because of evacuation or were homeless. Mm-hmm. Where are we now in helping our teammates, our community of people that allow us to provide high quality health care to the region? Where are we in getting people into stable housing? Uh, great question. And like you said, Mark, for our executive team here at the hospital was 100% displaced. Everyone had either been evacuated for over a week or had lost their home. And that's just starting from our team. And we had 170 caregivers, doctors and staff who had, who had lost their home. And so we're looking at this as kind of different phases of how we can support as one of the larger um, assets in the community. Immediate support to get people a roof over their heads, midterm and then long-term. On the very short term, uh, what we established, um, and I think is definitely a best practice out there, is a housing command center 
where people call into a line if they need a home or if they have some type of home or living arrangement, they can share it with community members. In over 170 or so staff, we've, we've had about 90 or so call into that line. Again, staff or doctors saying, hey, I need help with my current situation. And we've had um, about 117 assets placed into this as an inventory of different housing arrangements. And that could be uh, a bedroom in someone's house um, on the west side by the beach to, uh, you know, a, a three-bedroom, two-bath apartment, you know, locally here and, and everything in between. And so what's the real work, though, is we have a, a team looking at trying to match these people up, right? So I, I, I need a three-bedroom, but I have three dogs, and the apartment will only allow me to have one dog and things like that. And so we've actually placed about 45 of the um, so people that have called in with a home and asset, and we continue to do that. Even as of this morning, I was personally on the phone saying, hey, I just heard this. Someone's going to be moving out for two years and going to the desert. They're allowing someone to stay in their home. Can we find a doctor or a, or a staff member who might need, need that to stay? But that's the short term. Have you been struck by either to the good or to the negative of how much, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, <laughs> People doing exactly what you just described. Hey, I'm not using this home. I'm not using this apartment. Take it. It's it's available. Here's the number. Here's what we can accommodate. Go. It's amazing. Even this weekend, I called someone. I stepped out of my kid's basketball game this on Sunday. Um, had someone whose mom passed away. She, this woman, decided to move her. She has one son that she lives with. She has a small family. Uh, she decided to move into her mom's cottage um, near the junior college in town here, which is a, a two-bedroom, and rent out her four-bedroom, three-bath to a larger family for two years. Wow. Um, and just wanted to play a role. So there's millions of stories um, like that of people just doing different things to to help out. Absolutely. It's amazing. And, and I think it is worth mentioning, you know, with respect to the, the, the impact of story. And, you know, you and I have talked in other venues around my passion for storytelling and the value of storytelling. And I do think it's important that we recognize, as you mentioned, Todd, that the entire executive management team for the hospital was displaced or lost their homes. You and your family lost your home that very first morning, early Monday morning. You guys had to emergently evacuate your house and your house burned down. What is it like yeah. <laughs> to have to work through a crisis where you've borne a ton of weight, but at the same time, you're having to support your family and take care of your family through an extraordinarily difficult period? Yeah. Uh, the first, I won't lie, the first uh, three days were pretty rough. You know, we, unfortunately, I've evacuated my house before in Southern California, but, you know, waking up around one thirty in the morning, um, had a neighbor call and say, hey, we just had one of our one of our friends who live about you know maybe five miles just east of us had their house burned down, and a, and the fire was moving rapidly with you know fifty mile an hour flames. You know we got up and uh, of course because uh, I've evacuated before I wanted to see it myself. Drove around the truck a little bit and I'm like, yep, that's a pretty bright bright glow coming this way, and uh, woke everyone up. Had the wherewithal to throw um, one of my file cabinets with my paperwork, all our you know our birth certificates and driver's license, all those things in the back of the truck and got some photo albums and then drove to my dad's house, dropped the family off there and, and came in. And um, it was kind of, it was strange, you know, uh, when I walked into the lobby, there was a whole bunch of community members who were there of all, you know, shapes and sizes and all socioeconomic status. You know, people just came to Memorial as a safe haven. 
period. And that's and it's typical, but it's a very strange feeling to see everyone there. And walked into the ED, we immediately had three burn victims. And a lot of the staff there, Mark, were, you know, worse worse off than my situation because their houses were in kind of the fire zone, but they weren't able to go back. You know, I left with my family. I knew exactly what was happening, but a lot of them were trying to get a hold of their family members. Some of them still had their pets at their house. And um, to say it was exhausting, but it was also uplifting because I think there's a lot of people that did as much or more than me, uh, given their circumstances. And when you're doing it together, it's, it's uplifting and you get through it. So that brings up an important point because Every disaster becomes a study for the next one. And, you know, other organizations, other municipalities, they're going to look at what we did, what our debriefs look like in terms of what went well, what didn't, where were the biggest challenges. What were the things that allowed us to have some success in keeping as many people as possible safe, getting them housed? And what were the things that boy, if we could do this back, if we could run that back, there would be a different road we could go. Yeah, and that's a good question. You know, we're still we're still learning yeah. uh, quite a bit from this. I mean, we, we entered, and, and it's pretty well documented in, Northern, in the North Bay area, we entered into this crisis uh, with a housing shortage. And so this has really just been exacerbated now that uh, we've we've lost uh, so many. I think it's over 5,000 homes now in the community. So um, we're still kind of learning, I would say. Um, one thing for sure, you know, when we get past this short term, we're having meetings actually this week, which will then post, you know, just almost three weeks after after the, the start of this, this crisis, is how much in the, of the real estate game do we want to get into um, as a ministry now? You know, it's one thing having, you know, friends and neighbors supply, you know, resources and matchmaking, um, but we also are recruiting over 50 um, nursing and key clinical staff, and we have over 30 doctors that we're recruiting into the community. We we had five or six people already rescind their job acceptances since this has happened because they're worried about coming into kind of the state of affairs and having a place of to live. And so we're going to have to, in my opinion, take even more of, of a firm control in making sure that we can provide the basic elements for people to work and make sacrifice for our for our ministry going forward and taking care of the community and probably are going to have to designate a, a decent portion of our balance sheet to acquiring properties and making them available for key clinical assets and key clinical stakeholders for the community. So you're you're already thinking very strategically around not just for getting through this, but, but mitigating loss and being able to continue with recruiting. How far out are you letting yourself think? How far down the road are you able to say, this is the strategy that gets us to time period? You mentioned, you know, two years for rebuilding. How far out are you looking strategically? Well, we're, we're going to be in this type of place. We had a housing shortage before this. Right, and right. as you know, even, even in highly compensated positions, we're saying, hey, the cost of living is too high in Northern California. So, so I, I see this as there's kind of like, um, you know, this midterm strategy of what creative things can we do to give people livable conditions that are competitive enough to, to stay or recruit into for the next two years. But, but this housing shortage um, is not going to be going away. As you know, Mark, um, in, in two years, it's going to be longer. So this is going to be five, 10-year strategy for us in, again, trying to be proactive in, in solving this housing crisis, which, which really, like we said before, was, was before, before this fire occurred. What sort of support 
are you feeling like we're going to continue to have, not just have right now, but we'll continue to have from the various community leaders, industry leaders, you know, folks that are going to be instrumental with their companies, with their energy, with their resources in helping Sonoma County and the other affected counties be able to rebuild? How much are, are you pleased with the energy that you're seeing? Do you think it's going to be sustainable? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the uh, million dollar question there. You know, I've never seen the group of community letters, uh, leaders convene uh, so quickly in such mass as we've had maybe two or three meetings already on the rebuilding um, with all government officials, uh, business leaders, uh, key community leaders, et cetera. And the energy has been palpable and it's just been great. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, I have a lot of hope because I do feel Northern California, and that's why we love living here so much um, in the North Bay area, has a great community feel and a great community tie. We've always partnered with other healthcare providers, well, Sutter and Kaiser, despite a, a really aggressive healthcare market. And so I have hope that that energy and, like you said, that battery strength is going to last for a long time because of what we've been like as a community before. Um, and certainly, I would give us better than average odds to the average community out there. But time will tell of how long we can keep this energy up to really to really get it, keep it going. I agree with you, and I think it's going to take continuous reinfusions of building enthusiasm, maintaining morale, keeping people fired up. Um, and supporting them when they're low, because there's going to be low stretches. I mean, we're not naive. This is, we're still in the phase of shock and, you know, barely beginning to move through, you know, the four stages of grief. It's going to be hard. And there's going to be stretches where at random times, people are going to be really, really sad, either individually or en masse. One of your strengths that I've always observed as a leader is you do not lead from 50 miles behind the front lines. You have always been someone who's out there rounding on the units, getting to know people, checking in with patients, connecting with docs, connecting with nurses, rounding with environmental services, all of these sorts of things. And I know you're doing that now as well. What's your sense of the morale within the four walls? You know Memorial probably better than most, and you have some institutional memory too. What's your sense of the morale as we kind of move into this slowly tentatively, nervously into this recovery phase? You know, right now, as we speak, you know, we're doing employee forums. We'll do 14 of them and have probably about 100 employees or docs um, attending each time. We just had our first one this morning at 7 a.m., and I can tell you the, the mood was of pride, um, people being still emotional over it, a lot of tears, and a lot of pride um, about what we accomplished, kind of being the last standing hospital in, in Santa Rosa taking care of the community and being that safe haven. And, and, and we want to keep that up and keep the recognition. Like I said, I'm not a hug person. I've given so many, I give 20 hugs a day now <laughs> these days, or I'm getting them from someone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we want to keep that alive. But at the same time, there's practical realities. You know, one of the things we did in the short-term housing that I didn't mention was we built out 15 apartments in old medical office building space that we had across the street that was going to be cleared for a new construction project. Mark, you have at least two members of your team that I've heard uh, living over there um, I saw one of them at this, uh, we did a volunteer uh, trick-or-treat thing uh, down the street for those uh, kids of caregivers who lost their homes. And right now, they're all grateful. They are super grateful that they have anything in this crisis and, and feeling supported. But to your point, you know, going from, from a house, you know, maybe 3,000 square foot of house to a medical office building that's, you know, 
several hundred square feet um, with a communal kitchen and everything, you know, how long will that last and how will people be able to keep kind of going through? And, and we'll just have to monitor that closely. And that's why we're going to use that housing hotline is to keep looking for opportunities for people to, to kind of upgrade their situation. I agree. That is the, the primary challenge as we move through the seasons and move through the holidays and all of these sorts of things. But, you know, I just want to kind of, as we wrap up, circle back to the word that you, the, the term that you use, which is that sense of pride that people have in this community. You know, when we're recruiting, we always talk with folks about one of the things about this area is that everyone that grows up here comes back, you know, myself, my sister, so many of our friends, people want to be here. And I agree with you that that sense of pride, this is when it's been tested like never before, but it's really shown through. People are showing a level of commitment to one another, to their region and to this recovery process that I just, it, I feel warm. I feel, yes. I feel optimistic it's cautious optimism, it's tentative, it's fragile, but it's mm-hmm. also in some ways extremely exciting and, if nothing else, extraordinarily motivating. You know, it brings tears to my eye to, to say sincerely that through all this stuff, uh, we talk about our mission, and, and I say this because it's really important to me, you know, this idea of what we we what role we play as human beings for each other um, beyond just, you know, taking care of the poor and the vulnerable. It's what do we mean for each other and getting through things and, and the true uh, joy and happiness of helping people. And if you haven't been there, you know, it's hard to understand. Um, but this has been kind of what the sisters talk about, um, about standing for Even if you don't say anything, just being present with people and getting through something. And, um, and we've had the opportunity. We've lived it. We've lived it here. And and probably the most important thing for our ministry and, and probably for any organization is is now how do we keep it? And that beyond housing, beyond all our strategies, beyond all the business, recruiting, all this other stuff is is the ultimate opportunity I have is to help people see the mission and live um, what they mean to serve one another and be there for each other, not only in our hospital, but as an overall community. And that's um, really my first priority of all, of everything. I love that you see that as an opportunity. And as we go forward, you're going to be carrying a lot of that weight. We're all going to be carrying it together, but uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. But the fact that you're already seeing this as an opportunity, I think is wonderful. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about it. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.